Well, mahanga mai and welcome to the Dawn Chorus for July the 30th, Friday, uh, almost there for the weekend. Look out, um, by the way, for our the week that was uh, coming up uh, tomorrow. And, uh, and also our weekly chat with Peter Bale, News Over the Horizon. But first, I want to focus on the big news in the political economy, which is the Commerce Commission's, frankly, scathing draft first report into the supermarket sector, which it describes straight out as a duopoly between foodstuffs and Woolworths. Obviously, foodstuffs owns Pack and Save and New World, and Woolworths owns Countdown. And the Commerce Commission hasn't held back with a few ideas on how to fix it. The strength of the report and the radicalness of the solutions has surprised a few people, no doubt, including Woolworths, who said that if any of these things were actually done, it would have massive implications for them. Foodstuffs were uh, shocked into complete silence. And um, I think there was a lot of um, pleasant surprise around the political economy about the strength of the Commerce Commission's a 517-page report you got to love when the uh, executive summary is 21 pages long. <laughs> but I do recommend it, and there's some uh, cracking details and charts in there. So will we actually see some of these radical suggestions come through? Now, there's a bunch of things the Commerce Commission has uh, put out there as potential ways to deal with the duopoly in the market. Uh, and they include some sort of telecom-style breakup of the supermarket sector, which is where you uh, separate the retailing arm, so all of those stores and the branding and uh, perhaps the online delivery part, from the wholesale part. So the uh, um, the big warehouses, the logistics chains, um, all of those um chain-owned uh, uh, brands, all of that sort of thing. Uh, so that's the telecom breakup model. The other one is some sort of creation of a Kiwi Bank-style Kiwi shop, some sort of state-owned competitor to jump in there and keep the bastards honest. Uh, I don't think either of those is likely. Uh, and I wanted to give you some detail on why. But firstly, I do want to just uh, pay tribute to the Commerce Commission for its work in uh, understanding and nailing down just how much of a duopoly foodstuffs and Woolworths have got going on. Uh, to give you an idea, the return on average capital employed by these two retailers is over 20% for the last five years or so. Now, that can, that's more than double um, what you see for international grocery retailers and pretty much a triple what you see for um, the NZX uh, companies. So that's the weighted average cost of capital, or sorry, the return on average capital employed. Um, and uh, the margin to its to those uh, supermarkets weighted average cost of capital. So just remember um, a supermarket or any business has a cost of capital, you know, how much it costs to borrow from a bank or borrow from the bond market or whatever. And then it gets a return on its capital and the difference obviously is the profit margin. So the weighted average return on capital is around about 5% and the supermarkets are getting about 22%. Uh, that is extraordinary and uh, um, tells you how much profit they're making. 
other measures, EBIT profit margin, um, when you look at the uh, Woolworths NZ, Foodstuff North Island and Foodstuff South Island, they are currently running at almost twice the EBIT margin that you see in international uh, supermarket retailing. And all of this has meant that New Zealanders, and particularly in um, the South Island, are paying extremely high prices for groceries. Doesn't help we have one of the highest GST rates in the world, but there are others with higher GST rates. And we currently have the fourth most expensive, so the fourth most expensive groceries in the world. And what that means is New Zealanders spend on average the fourth most in US dollar terms on their average grocery shop every week behind Luxembourg. So it's not exactly a cheap place to live. Iceland, which is slightly remote and obviously very rich. Switzerland, a tax haven that is also very rich. And Norway, arguably the world's richest country built off the back of um, oil and gas in the North Sea. So that's way out of whack with how much we should be spending on, um, on groceries. And rightly, anyone going to the supermarket today will be a little bit grumpy. So grumpy, in fact, that uh, Countdown had to come out yesterday and say, ask its customers not to take it out on the staff, which is absolutely right. Also, <laughs> what's hilarious in here is how they do it. So one of the great things about the telecom story was the revelation from Teresa Gatting that telecom used what she called confusion marketing to manage to keep its profit margin nice and high, i.e. Um, things are so complicated with the various discounts and promotions and different product types and loyalty cards that you have no idea whether or not you're getting a deal. Well, one of the great charts in, to, in the uh, Commerce Commission's report is the one which shows the percentage of grocery products in New Zealand that are sold on promotion, i.e. you think you're getting a deal because it's got a big sign or a red sticker or something that says 50% off or whatever. Well, almost 60% of our groceries are sold with apparent promotions on them. That compares with the likes of the UK on 25%, Germany on 20%, France on uh, less than 20%. Um, what that says is those other countries have everyday low prices and um, they're not trying to take the piss by putting crazy, apparently crazy promotional stickers on there. And what the supermarkets have done quite convincingly is convince us that we're getting a great deal when actually we're paying amongst the most expensive prices in the world. So when you see that sticker that says, you know, great deal, low prices, and 40% off, just remember um, the same price, the same product price somewhere else will be actually much cheaper and not be called a, a discount. So, um, yes, the supermarkets are operating as a duopoly, and... Yes, the government needs to do some things. But here's why I don't think we're likely to see those radical breakup and Kiwi shop ideas that are being floated um, in the report. And there's some good logistical reasons, which mean it, it's probably too hard to do and probably in the end not worth the trouble. But uh, let's just um, explain the differences in a way between the supermarket industry the telecommunications industry and the fuel retailing industry uh, because certainly telecommunications and to a lesser extent fuel retailing have had quite significant regulatory interventions to try and improve competition. 
We all remember Telecom, the state-owned monopoly, which was eventually sold off to private interests, which owned the entire telecommunications network in New Zealand. That was clearly a network monopoly. And um, the government of the day under Helen Clark, and David Cunliffe should get an awful lot of credit for this, um, managed to break it up into Chorus, which was the backbone, the wholesale part of the market, all of those copper and eventually optic fibre cables, and then Spark on top of that, which was an independent retailer competing with the likes of Vodafone in two degrees. And that was a relatively easy thing to do. What you simply said was all the copper and optic fibres and the the big um, service centres and exchanges, they own, they're owned by Chorus, and Chorus has to sell, its, sell access to that network to everyone. And uh, Spark... You know, they own the customers and are able to buy services from Chorus and sell them to their customers in competition with Vodafone in particular, but also later on, two degrees. So it was relatively easy to break them up, partly because Telecom was listed on the NZX. And the thing they did was essentially say to the shareholders of Telecom, okay, you can keep owning both of these things, but they're going to be different companies. So essentially, you you had a uh, the shareholders of Telecom get given a bunch of shares in Chorus and a bunch of shares in Spark, and so they didn't feel like they were being ripped off or the government was taking something off them. It was a fairly clear uh, demerger uh, where the ownerships stayed the same; they were just in different companies. That is not the case with Foodstuffs and Woolworths. Firstly, Foodstuffs isn't actually one thing, it's two things, Foodstuffs North Island and Foodstuffs South Island. And they are essentially uh, um, buyer cooperatives, i.e. the owners of the individual supermarkets, the pack and saves in the New Worlds, um, who you'd have to say are amongst the richest and luckiest and um, uh, people in the uh, country, because it's an interesting process of how you choose how you choose who gets the sites and who gets the um, local monopoly there. Um, typically, it involves someone who started off as a shelf stacker and ended up somehow um, owning multi multi billion do- million dollar businesses. These stores themselves. So it's a buyer cooperative. So you have a bunch of warehouses and buyers who do buy something centrally from suppliers, and then you have a bunch of big stores, particularly the pack and saves, who also buy directly from the suppliers. So you've got this morass of ownership stakes, supplier relationships, logistics arrangements, ownerships of uh, warehouses, IT systems. It just makes me tired thinking about it. Now, trying to unravel that, I like to compare to trying to unravel 200 phone charges all clumped together after you've dug it out from the bottom of a landfill. That's how hard it would be to separate the wholesale and the retail sides of the supermarket chains. Now, that's just for foodstuffs. Now, Woolworths, in theory, is a little bit simpler because it's a centralised operation and it's all owned by one entity. But that entity is owned by Woolworths Australia, listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. And you'd have effectively have to carve out the New Zealand arm from the Australian arm. And that would involve, you know, untangling all sorts of cross-subsidies between the local company and the international company. In theory, it is possible you could somehow force Woolworths to list on the New Zealand exchange and then do some sort of demerger if you wanted to do the wholesale 
retail split. But again, uh, there'd be some very grumpy Australians about that. And um, also, I'm not sure that that solves the problem. Remember, you'd have to do it at the same time as trying to unravel foodstuffs. Ugh, that's hard, hard, hard work. It would take decades, um, not to mention some poor minister and uh, some poor government department having to learn how the, the um, supermarket industry works. They could start by reading of all 517 pages of this report. It's very good. But then they have to replicate it. And it's a bloody nightmare. Um, so that's why it's not so easy. It's not as easy as telecommunications, even though uh, um, there's a few people there, including Catherine Rich, who is saying, you know, hey, we're quite hopeful about this. Uh, secondly, it's also different from fuel retailing. You know, obviously we've had the first um, action by the government in trying to make the fuel retailing sector more competitive. Uh, remember, we had a winnowing down to Z Energy, which bought uh, Caltex, uh, BP, and Mobile, so a, th a three-way um, oligopoly. And um, yes, profit margins in New Zealand were also significantly higher than the rest of the world, or at least they were up until three or four years ago. But a combination of little tweaks, so the government has effectively forced Z Energy and some others to be much more transparent about their wholesale pricing, uh, forced the opening up of some uh, wholesale uh, terminuses. Uh, and remember, this is a much more uh, vanilla product that's being sold through um, uh, the service stations. You've got petrol, you've got diesel, and that's about it. <laughs> go to a supermarket and see how diff how many different products and prices and uh, lines you've got, the different relationships with literally thousands of different retailers. It's much easier to monitor and to you know regulate a market where there's only one or two different types of products, only three or four different um, points in which people can access the wholesale market. Um, it really is quite different. And then there's also... The issue that that market has, with a few prods and pokes here and there and a bit of time, uh, and also some technology change, has seen a lot more competition for those big three guys. So we've seen the likes of Gull, NPD, and Waitomo um, get into the big markets, even the likes of Wellington, uh, with these new automated stations. So not only are they able to um, uh, compete against the big guys by finally getting access to sites and uh, reconfiguring them. The RMA has been a real problem here. But also, they're able to do it in a different way, i.e. they don't have the big stores with all the people working behind the counter selling coffee and um, overpr overpriced sweets. And um, that has been really good and effective in helping to reduce those profit margins. And I think... That's the one industry which has sort of solved its own problems with a bit of little bit of prodding and uh, embarrassment from the government. So what should the government do? Given it's just way too hard and painful and difficult to actually do a telecom on the supermarket sector, what needs to be done? Well, something should be done because it's clearly a duopoly and it's a major impact on everyone's lives. The fact that we're spending the fourth most in the world on groceries for a relatively poor country, um, when we can't afford it, we're also spending the most on rent and the most on our housing. Um, who'd want to be a renter or a consumer at the moment? Uh, it's tough. So the government has to do something, and not just something that is um, 
symbolic, you know, a, a public bollocking by the Prime Minister. Um, that's quite possible, and we'll probably see that. But actually, there are a few things the government could do. Firstly, it really needs to beef up the uh, Commerce Commission's policing arm around the Fair Trading Act so that a lot of the dodginess that is used by the supermarkets at the moment to um, convince us all that we're getting a good deal is wiped out. Uh, one of the great things about the report is a, um, a, a chart showing that uh, in New Zealand, <laughs> we think we're getting a great deal. 60% of our supermarket products are labelled as on sale when actually compared to the rest of the world, um, they're not. And um, being able to regularly expose the very high prices of the supermarkets, uh, just um, using the sort of uh, um, transparency as the best form of sunlight uh, to clean up something is, is a pretty good way of doing it. And that means collecting better information, uh, making sure that obvious cases of Fair Trading Act breaches are prosecuted to the nth degree, and it would be interesting to see one or two of these big pack-and-save owners get taken down in some way. Not to mention uh, Woolworths being publicly embarrassed and having to pay some big fines. You do wonder whether the um, Employment Relations Act is being properly policed inside some of these uh, chains, and uh, particularly around um, temporary workers and uh, migrants. Uh, that would be um, an interesting uh, probe to go to go on. So the government can do some things which would have an effect to embarrass and nudge the um, the two arms into um, some form of um, improvement. And maybe there's a few things the government could do um, to help some of these overseas operators come in and um, scare the living daylights out of foodstuffs and Woolworths. So particularly in Auckland, we've got Costco coming. They're coming to West Auckland with one store. That's obviously the huge American uh, retail chain, and uh, they'll be able to sell lots of probably not very fresh uh, grocery items, the likes of cans and bits and pieces and everything packeted. Uh, don't expect um, any sort of fruit and veggies there, I think, of any great um, width and breadth. And of course, you know, if you don't live in North, Al North uh, don't live in West Auckland, it's not very helpful. You know, uh, it's a two-hour drive from South Auckland to West Auckland on the best of days. So that's not going to work. And um, so that's Costco. Uh, then you have the likes of Aldi, which is the uh, German company that has rolled out chains in Australia. In part because in Australia, you can get a much better bang for your buck by setting up a one big distribution centre in Sydney and one big distribution centre in Melbourne and servicing pools of four or five million, five or six million in, to, in each of those chains. Whereas in New Zealand, we're a long straggly country broken in two where the biggest um, population centre, if you like, is Auckland with you know 1.6 million people. And then the rest of us are in all sorts of different places up and down the country. It's much harder to get the economies of scale with these big distribution centres uh, that you have in the likes of Sydney and Melbourne. So maybe help LD, although uh, we understand LD has you know occasionally looked at New Zealand and said, bugger that, we're not going there, it's too hard. And um, the other thing is to, you know, the likes of IKEA, which is coming as well. I know it's a different market, but occasionally there's a bit of crossover there. And um, so the government could help those international companies get in, perhaps a few RMA 
Act exemptions, maybe some International Investment Act exemptions to you know get them in there, and at least in some of the big cities, get some form of, of competition. So um, there we there we have it, a cracking report with some amazingly radical solutions, and perhaps really I've come out and said maybe don't do the radical thing. Uh, so uh, that's the uh, Commerce Commission. Now, what else is happening today that I think is interesting? Uh, we're going to get the National Party's um, annual meeting um, next weekend and Richard Harmon at politic, P-O-L-I-T-I-K dot co.nz, another subscription email newsletter, is reporting today that he thinks uh, Peter Goodfellow, who's been in, in charge of the National Party's um, uh, party operations as president since 2009, very much identified with the John Key era, identified with large donations from all sorts of uh, uh, communities around Auckland in particular, and um, seen as partially responsible for the poor candidate selections in various places. Uh, Richard is saying from his sources in the National Party that it's very likely now that Goodfellow will go, either voluntarily or um, uh, through a vote of a new board um, next weekend at... The National Party Conference. So that would be interesting. No change suggested in Judith Collins's leadership. Uh, also, um, the nurses have rejected the latest offer from the DHBs. 400 million wasn't uh, what they wanted. They want a lot more reassurances about staff levels so things are safe. And this is part of the symptomatic problem we've had. We didn't invest enough in staffing and infrastructure for a extra million people that came. And it's really coming home to hurt us, as we saw this winter with full-up uh, emergency departments. Um, thank goodness we haven't had, touch wood, uh, any, any major uh, COVID outbreaks. Also, keep an eye on Australia, where it really looks like it's out of control in Sydney. They've called in the army <laughs> to help police things, but they really don't know what a lockdown is. This is, you know, lockdown Australian style is, oh, I'm off to see my mate who's 5Ks away for a cup of coffee. Or, you know, I'm going to the to the gym. And, uh, you know, there's still large parts of Sydney where it doesn't seem to be affecting too much. And all of the um, footage that we're seeing on TV shows all sorts of people wandering around in the background maskless. You do wonder about the apparent lockdown the Australians have. So they had over 200 cases yesterday, including dozens that were out and about spreading it in the community before they tested positive. So um, that's that's a real issue to to keep an eye on. Um, there's a few other bits and pieces there on the housing issue. Uh, ANZ, for example, is saying it could be decades for house prices to get to affordable levels, which no surprises there. And it'd be nice to see a, a politician own up to that at some point. And um, also an interesting read, Pini Henari, um, the Assistant Health Minister, has really given the DHBs a serve in a newsroom story that's worth looking at. And yesterday we got news from the ANZ Business Outlook. This is the survey of businesses showing a, a significant drop in uh, business confidence overall, but still plenty of uh, expectations about price increases. And so they're still picking that the... Um, that we'll see a rate hike uh, next month from the Reserve Bank of New Zealand. Again, uh, overnight we saw um, signs of a slightly slower um, US economy than we expected. The first reading of GDP was less than economists' forecasts, which you think would be bad news. But no, um, the stock markets rallied to yet another record high. 
Why? Because they think that means that low interest rates and money printing will carry on for that little bit longer, which uh, makes stocks more attractive. So um, the money printing magic is still doing its thing for asset prices in the rest of the world, and uh, no doubt here as well. Hey, uh, that was, um, again, uh, a slightly extended <laughs> um, version of the Dawn Chorus. I just wanted to have a really deep dive into the Commerce Commission's report, um, save you hours of your life reading 517 pages. So, um, kakite ano, we'll talk again on the Dawn Chorus on Monday, but keep an eye out for the, um, uh, the week that was for the week's end and also the um, news over the horizon with Peter Bale. That's all here on the Kaka. I'm Bernard Hickey.